Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode three of my friend from college. I'm so sorry there's been a bit of a delay. I was on fall break. I had a lot going on, but we're jumping back in. And this week, you get to meet my friend Ty. Ty gives the best hugs. I mean, he'll call me out from across the room and I'll run over and leap into his arms. He'll lift you off the ground and just like the best bear hug of your life. Uh, He also is just heartful. I mean, he recently published a book of poetry, but besides that, you'll hear throughout this episode that he speaks in poetry. So we're going to jump right in. We'll just kind of start rolling. Okay. Will you sauce me those sauce me those Guinnesses? Clink clink. Clink. <laughs> Thank you. What's gonna work? Teamwork. Uh, have you been to uh, Dublin before? No, no. Um, I didn't make it during my semester, but I, I did pick this because you gave me options of what your um, favorite drinks were, but I chose Guinness because it's the one I'm least familiar with. I love gin and tonic, love especially red wine, but you weren't very specific. So, um, and, and then, so I'm kind of trying to add to this process, learning about my friend's tastes and picking something um, for us to drink that is something that you yeah, like so and enjoy. Yeah, so the first time I had Guinness was in Dublin. I know, I'm so bougie. Did you study abroad or something? Uh, I studied abroad. I am abroad. <laughs> uh, you know, all those fun things. But while we were in Guinness, we took like a free in Guinness in Dublin. <laughs> that's that's how ingrained it is. Uh, we didn't take a tour of the Guinness factory because we were told it was overrated. Oh, uh, mm. right. Wow. Um, and we had gone on like one of it's a free tour and they like gather in the city center and they have like an umbrella and it's like all over the world. Yeah, the free, uh uh-huh. I did a bunch of those. Uh, And then you like tip them at the end. Well, at the end, the guy who was super knowledgeable and he was really fun, he was like, I'm giving a non-free because you get alcohol, but I'm giving a bar crawl tonight that gives you like a taste of what the locals would do. Um, oh, that's so, so cool. there were, besides us, no tourists at any of the bars, mm. uh, probably because like on either side of lots of, of two of them, there were sex shops. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. but, uh, the third one, the guy was like, this is the best Guinness in, uh, Dublin. What makes and, it better? Aren't they all the same? Uh, you would think so, but, I would think so. but if you ask an Irishman, of course, they're going to, they have their favorites. Uh, no. So it, the temperature of the cellar that it's kept in, how often the pipe or the, uh, like pipe that l- brings up the beer, it's cleaned. Oh, um, yeah. So, Whoa. uh, so like Coke, how Coke is different in every, right. The beverage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the drug is too, <laughs> also but, different regionally. uh, also someone that semester accidentally took Coke, but it was none of my friends. Um, <laughs> accidentally? Yeah. He w- what do you think it was? Yeah. He was at October. He's like, mm, sugar. <laughs> Slurp. <laughs> he, he was at Oktoberfest. Let me put the sugar all over the inside Ew, of my lips. No. <laughs> I'm was, sure it's. <laughs> no, he was at Oktoberfest and he was super drunk and some stranger was just like, take this. It'll make you feel better. And so he did. Like he knew it was some kind of drug basically. Oh, there's no, there's no way you're just like, Mm, flower. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sure this is not deconstructed nefarious. cookie. <laughs> uh, but in Dublin, 
uh, we were at this pub, and the cool thing is that he taught us how to drink Guinness. Because there's a special way, and if you don't do it that way, it's never going to be as good. This is why I brought you Guinness, to learn learn from my friends about Uh, their favorite drinks. Teach me. So, you sip it, barely opening, like you don't actually suck, you let gravity do all the work, and what you do is you let the liquid slip underneath the foam up top called the head. Um, because that's what keeps it from getting bitter. And huh. as soon as the head is gone, the rest of the beer isn't going to taste as good. Huh. Cool. Now I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to spill it by just like dropping it down my throat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean like small sips. Um, okay. Let's reverse, reverse a little bit. Can you tell me about your majors? Uh, yeah. I am a double American studies and film, television, and theater, concentration theater majors. (laughs) That sounded like so much. It's basically theater and Theater and American American studies, studies. right. Uh, But I got to give film, television, and theater their due credit. I never do. Uh, I (laughs) I never call myself film, television, and theater. You're just film. I just say film. Uh, Because it's like, I mean... Most people don't know what it is. Or, right. Um, um, or it's, I mean, I've never done like anything theater in college, so it seems right. misleading. I mean, I've been in a couple short films, so. That's true. That's yours, true. in fact. That's true. No, so I yeah. I get the you other get two to, letters. Yeah. You get to keep them. Anyway, uh, those are my majors, and I love my majors because of how I got into both of them. Ooh, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. So Step ahead of me. As you know, but I'm sure the audience is very excited to find out, I started the year before you at the University Mm -hmm. of Notre Dame. I graduated from high school in 2014. And I graduated in 2015. Right. And I came in the fall of 2014, and while I was here, uh, two incredible things happened. First, I sat down with a bunch of international economists at a dinner um, at a gala I was at, And at the time, I wanted to go into international economics, looking at how education affects uh, the way economies work. I did not know that. That's like a big part of what I do now. Oh, no way. I mean, with my econ major. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't do it, but I study it. (laughs) (laughs) I I do the econ. Uh, So I sat down with these people, these people, I, I sat down with these brilliant and learned and achieved 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 uh economists and they were so boring (laughs) and i just i didn't want to spend my life surrounded you noped right out of there i noped i relate so hard i started out as engineering and i was like i hate this Uh, i hate this so i get to school and uh, we have back then it was still Show. it wasn't welcome weekend um, but we had orientation Good old days. I was meeting with my advisor and I was like can we please get me out of calc 3 because <laughs> I don't want to be an econ major anymore and so she was she asked me what what are you going to do instead like we're, we're getting rid of all of these econ classes and I was like hmm this is a good question and then I remembered that a friend introduced me to my favorite American president Josiah Bartlett <laughs> 
uh, of West Wing fame. So uh, oh. for those of you who haven't caught on, he Have is not. fictional. Okay. Uh, the West Wing by Aaron Sorkin. I was like, that does not sound familiar, but U.S. history was not my strong suit. Because so. you're Canadian. You're American now. I'll lean on that excuse all I want, but I was in American school for all... Yickety yackety yike. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, the cool thing about Jed Bartlett in The West Wing um, was that Martin Sheen, the actor who played him, demanded two things that the president was Catholic and that he went to Notre Dame. Whoop, whoop. Uh, And both of those things feature heavily on the show. But when he went to Notre Dame, he majored in American studies. And so I was like, well, I love him. Let's give it a shot. Tell me that is actually literally the reason you chose American studies. No, this is 100% true. Holy crap. And so she was like, okay, like, let's put intro to American studies. And then obviously, like, I took classes and I loved it. But the reason I took them was because of the West Wing. Because I was like, I want to be Judd Bartlett. I'm going to... Did the actor... Uh, do American studies or no, the no, character? No, no, the character of the president. Yeah. So I was. Have like, you ever written to? You should write to the to the to, actor. Right to, Ma- to Martin Sheen. Sheen and yeah, tell I, him. I should Martin Sheen and Aaron Sorkin and be like, I am who I am today because of you. Yeah. Um, and the other really crazy thing that got me into theater. So I, you know, I had done plays in like middle school because you were forced to. Didn't we all? Um, you didn't do it in high school. No, oh. I didn't do it in junior high and. Or high school, I didn't do any Weird. Uh, That's theater. Surprising. I did uh, like honors choir or whatever my senior year um, because I was forced into an audition. A little aside here, Ty is the biggest theater nerd of anyone I know. I mean, I can't separate you from theater when I think of you. Right. That's and shocking. Yeah, so I, I came to Notre Dame and I knew nothing about theater. Um, I knew that I wanted to like give theater a shot because I was and still am dramatic <laughs> in real life. But during Frasho, I met a person and she signed me up for an audition for the main stage show, which I got an email for not knowing about. So I got the email day of. And so I went, I got a call back uh, and I ended up getting one of the two leads. Nice. Uh, and this is during your first freshman my year. My first right? freshman year. So my, uh, I got, the, so my first show, I was a lead opposite Austin. The kid's name was Austin and we like got to know each other super well. And as we were going, uh, someone was like, hey, like, you know who his sister is, right? And I was like, no. And he's like, what's, what's his last name? Swift. And, yes. And uh, it was like, okay. I'm sure. Taylor. Taylor's. And I was like, Taylor Swift. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, And so, like, she ended up coming and watching our final show, which we sold out. We got a standing ovation, and it was magical, and that (sighs) sealed my fate as a theater person. But we. I ha- I like I have to ask. Did you meet her or like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like, like I was on Huffington Post and BuzzFeed. Um, <laughs> we almost got dinner with her, but she had, she decided to leave last minute. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Uh, but yeah, my two majors, which have defined my life for the past four or five years, both happened because of really random things. Okay, so 
do you want to talk about leaving that first freshman? You don't have to. Yeah, I, I, okay. I definitely can. I. So what I know now that I didn't know then mm-hmm. uh, is that I have bipolar disorder. Some... Yeah. Do, do I have something somewhere? I, no, I was going to say you have some 2020 hindsight glasses on. LOL. <laughs> and then I trailed off. I'm like, did I get the head on on me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> throw back to the foam. That was a callback. Um, <laughs> theater lingo. <laughs> Different kind of callback. <laughs> um, so in high school... And like growing up, like I was always very emotional and I had problems, Um, but it all really came to a head the summer after. Uh, (laughs) So I. Sorry, wait, I don't want to be coughing over top of. That was such a Canadian. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. That's actually like one of the things I love most about you. Because, you know, would, yeah. it's one of those quirks. Like, have you seen Goodwill Hunting? Yes. So, in Goodwill Hunting, the character played by. Oh my god, why can't I think of. Uh, Robin Williams. His character talks about his wife and how his wife farts on him <laughs> at, at night. And he's like, and that's how I know she's mine because I get to know these intimate, weird Aww. details that other people don't get to. I love that. Um. Which, interestingly, was the inspiration for a poem I wrote about an ex of mine, uh, because he farted on me the first night he slept over. Um, and so I told him about how I love cleaning the lint from my belly button, because I was like, you know, like, let's share intimate details about ourselves and try to form a relationship from that. Yeah. Um, but however innocent my soul pretends the world is, it doesn't work like that. Is that the name of the poem? Uh, no. Or that was just off the cuff? Uh, Writing Cleans My Soul of You hmm. is uh, the poem because it ends with like, uh, now you're the lint and this is the belly button. Writing Cleans My Soul of You. Hmm. But yeah, so my hmm. first freshman year, right. I, I withdrew because I became suicidal very suicidal and you know there's lots of stories to tell about that and I've told them a lot and I don't really want to focus on them here yeah um but let's not I left and because of that I was a freshman at the same time as you and the rest of our gaggle of friends Mm -hmm. and my life is immeasurably better for it um so whenever I beat myself up because I will be 24 when I graduate from Notre Dame and so I am old. and I am able to say that I I dropped out of college. <laughs> um, I mean, I came back, but uh, someone asked me what's been your greatest failure. And I was like, I dropped out of college. You are really jumping the gun here on my questions. I am stealing your thunder. <laughs> OK, but I would I mean, that's I guess we should aim to turn all of our failures into successes might be the response to this. But. That doesn't sound like a failure to me. I mean... Dropping out of college? Yeah, I know. Like, you really did what you needed to do to take care of yourself, and then you came back, and you've done it bigger and better than you could have if you'd stayed. Right. Um, But there's a... In the Heights by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Also, (laughs) he also did Hamilton, for those of you unaware. (laughs) Uh, in the Heights, there's a character who comes home and there's a song called Breathe, which is about why she did it. Um, and she's like, how do I... Ex- why uh, she came home? Yeah. Um, 
I clean, I climbed to the highest point on every fire escape, restless to climb. I saved every dollar, got every scholarship. And then she says, uh, first to go to college, which I'm, I'm not my, I've had other people in my family go to college, but other two things, definitely real. I mm-hmm. saved every dollar, got every scholarship, mm-hmm. restless to climb. Um, and how do I tell, like, how do I look everybody in the eye telling them why I'm coming back home? Um, and that was really hard for me because, you know, I had to go back home and I had to say, hey, you know how I graduated top of my class and how all of you gave so much hope, so much of your hope to me because you were like, this is a kid who's going so far and I am back in our little hodunk town in the middle of nowhere, Arizona, because I I couldn't make it at Notre Dame. And obviously there were other reasons, but I like everybody has reasons. And I'm glad I left and it was a great decision I made. But That's right. It's easy for me to forget about that part of your life and how hard it must have been because I got to know you after (laughs) and know you as like this resilient and powerful kind of like having having taken the sourest lemons that life has to offer yeah I as I went through and you know I went home and I got myself better I Obviously, I did get better, but um, it's left me with lots of ifs. Um, Mm. And there's actually, like, two really big ifs that I always ask is there are two moments that I think set me down the path that made Notre Dame unbearable to the extent that it was for me at the time. And that was uh, I came out of Soren after because I had to go pee. So I went pee and came out of Soren. And all the Soren guys were already... That's your dorm. Right. Yeah. And they were 100, 100 yards away, heading towards our diso. But it was like the bonding Which experience. like a semi-hazing, but light, it, light yeah, version of hazing. hazing light. Party um, at the beginning of the year. Right. And I saw them. And in that moment, I decided not to go left. And so I went right. And I literally turned right and went to the grotto and then I cried. Which is, there's so many things to (laughs) explain. The grotto is like a little candle cave (laughs) that we have on campus. It's like a spiritual space. Candle cave. (laughs) Uh, Google it. If you don't don't know anything about Notre Dame, just Google images it. Uh, So I went there and I started crying because I felt so alone. And then the other one was I had just eaten with friends and someone asked me if I wanted to work out with them. Um, and I said, N- no. But this was a guy who, like, we had talked about, like, hey, like, let's work out together. Mm. And so he had asked me, and that one time I said no, and so he never asked me again. Mm. Um, and so I'm just like, what, what would my life have looked like mm. if I had gone left and gone to the party, if I had said yes and started exercising and like I probably would have done bangle bouts with him is what Hmm. would have happened and uh but But you were basically isolating yourself right um not purposely um 
No, that's uh, that's what depression will do to you. It's not uh, it's not the most logical have decision. Crippling depression. Mm. So, uh, but those things did happen, and I did turn right. And uh, interestingly, ever since then, at Notre Dame, um, whenever there's a path that I can go right or left and still end up where I'm going. I will always go right, but if I'm having a bad day or other things in my life aren't going the way I wish they would, I tell myself when things aren't going right, go left. Like a literal sidewalk, you go left. (laughs) Uh, You're a very poetic person, one might say. uh, Mm -hmm. I hate myself for it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... The world would be a really boring place if we didn't have art in it art and poetry and i mean obviously there's other stuff but Hmm. like art has just so defined my own like liberatory experience in the past four years yeah um okay so you've gone through college obviously with these two majors and you i would say let me know if i'm wrong that at times you've let different ones guide your career a little bit. Can you first sort of talk about maybe what your plan has been throughout college and then where you feel you are now? Yeah, actually for most of college, I figured uh, I had planned on getting a PhD in American studies. Huh. Um, because, you know, who wants to be the poor starving artist? Uh, and I realized- Not that- you? I thought. I mean, I mean I like, you did. Look, look at me. Like, do I look like I'm starving? <laughs> that was a fat joke, in case anybody is curious. But it's okay. Uh, I do it so bitches like you don't have to behind my back. <laughs> Hashtag fatty. Fatty me. me. <laughs> uh, no, I. The world says that art isn't valuable, uh, like economically, and to an extent, I guess that's true. Like, you can't cure cancer with art um but art creates a world where you'd want to live um it creates a soul you want to have um and so like as soon as I started to truly realize that there are far worse things than being poor Hmm. uh and that college didn't have to be an experience that solely set me up to be economically well off. It could set mm-hmm. me spiritually, mm-hmm. mentally uh, free. Then I I thought that those were things worth pursuing, and so I Heck yeah. The education is not the filling of a cup, but the lighting of a flame. Ooh. Have you heard that little one? I have That little number? It's a good one. It is. Tuck it away. Tuck it away. Save it for a later day. Uh, catch a falling star and put it in your <laughs> put that, pocket. Put that little quote in your pocket. Save it for a rainy day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and then uh, I actually, you know, I the past four years we've seen our country descend into really tumultuous places and the American studies side of me has been really reassured because all of my professors have been like yeah this is weird this is different but it's not 
super different. Mm. Um, like this isn't unprecedented. Uh, however much it might feel like it because we're 24, I'm 23, you're 21. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I felt that there was such a need for direct action, but um, there's also a really great Zelda Fitch Andler, Fitch Andler, I don't know how to say her. <laughs> uh, she founded the arena stage in Washington, D.C., which was arguably like the beginning of the regional theater movement. Huh. Emphasis on arguably. Uh, I'm sure some theater historian's gonna whack me and my professors are gonna be upset but you know whatever I mean I'm I believe it cool I'm here for whatever yeah, you tell me about that theater disbelief. I'll, yeah, heck yeah and I will repeat, repeat it at trivia <laughs> uh, but she has a quote that's like as soon as we realized that uh, art wasn't to recoup some investment but to recoup some lost part of our soul Ooh. we realized that we could treat it Ooh, differently ow. Out my heart. Uh, and so, um, the I mean, the phrase that I've used a lot is that art has been my liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you're free, you really don't want to lose it. Because, you know, I, I grew up in a very rural place, a very conservative place. I grew up in a conservative Catholic family. I grew up with ideas of who I should and shouldn't be. Um and I have always been the opposite of those things. Uh, I was supposed to be the strong football player who started a family and, you know, was economically stable. And instead, I'm the gay music. <laughs> gay theater gay kid. Gay theater kid who is really good at getting into big accidents. <laughs> uh, Can you say more specifically what art has been your liberation from? Yeah. So in American studies, we learn a lot about systems of oppression and hierarchies of power. Uh, but the, and those things are real. But the thing that helps create them is uh, what one theorist termed hegemony. And it's this idea that not only are there these structures that keep things in place, but there's ways of thinking that help us keep those structures in place. Uh, so when you're trying to make a better world, you can't just get rid of structures of inequality. You have to get rid of the thought processes that led to the inequalities in the first place. Um, so... I have had to work really hard on accepting like my body because of like its size and learning to say that I'm allowed to love myself for that. And not just in spite of it. Right. Has been a really hard thing to do that art, especially writing has let me do. Um, or like the fact that I'm, I'm allowed to be gay. I'm allowed to love who I love um, and that I don't have to feel bad about it and I don't have to hide it and um, getting rid of that type of thought process. Um, And so trying to learn how to be 
as open and honest and vulnerable and authentic as you can because those things let you live the type of life that epics are written about. Hmm. I'm going to start. There's a lot that I still want to talk about. And so I'm going to start kind of like cutting you off a little. Your consideration of running for Senate. Yike. In the coming years. Um, 2020, right? Hashtag 2020. Hashtag 2020. Uh, so I've been going back and forth um, on running for U.S. House of Representatives because that's the only one I'd be old enough for. You need to right. go get your money back from your civics teacher just, and go see <laughs> Hamilton. Thank you. Uh, so if Republicans retain complete power in both, in both, then I will very heavily consider direct action, uh, which might mean running for office if my district back home uh, goes Republican um, and if not I could definitely see myself working on a presidential campaign for 2020 yeah. I like to think I'd be a really good speechwriter. Um, yeah ooh you yeah. would it's slash like just messaging in general I think Democrats yeah. are shit at it that just feels so outlandish for me to like wrap oh, my it, head around it is definitely outlandish I mean it's probably, yeah it still is but uh, like what Tell me more about what that would be like running. I mean, it would definitely be me just. Uh, so the cool thing about super grassroots, super grassroots, just like a big portion of like my area knows like my family name mm-hmm. um, and my parents. And so I w- would use that. And then also just, you know, Washington outsider, literally like kid child and one might say feels like it i know a kid who doesn't think he's a kid Mm -hmm. um but it would definitely be at the the most grassroots you could think of yeah um so when you say it's outlandish it is um but we live in outlandish times would be sick yeah okay um you published a book of poetry this year i did uh out on amazon the hearts of viceroy so basically for as long as I've known you, you've been writing poems on your iPhone, like on notes, and you would sometimes send them to me and just kind of be like, this is something that my heart had to say this week. Um, if I knew kind of whether or not I knew what was going on in your life. Um, and that's so beautiful. And I've always enjoyed getting those. And also like almost similar to running for office, like something that I can't, it's like outlandish to my brain, but it's beautiful. And so what first inspired you to start writing poetry and then what made you want to compile it and publish it? I started writing, I read a really cool thing about tears the other day. This is, I feel like this whole interview has been like me asking you a question and you're like about to answer it directly. And then you're like, but there's a better way. But poem. And then like you start speaking in metaphors. Not metaphors necessarily. Something Uh, literary. uh, Jumps into a literary. No. So I read this. No, it's beautiful. Please. please, Yeah. Don't let me. Don't don't rain on my parade. Uh, uh, so I read a thing about tears and it's that 
the chemicals in your brain that cause emotions, uh, when they reach a critical threshold, your brain tries to flush them out, and they literally do, the brain literally does that by flushing them out through tears. Huh. Um, so, like the in a chemical analysis, different tears from different emotions have different makeups. Whoa! So your brain's literally flushing the sadness out of you. Whoa! But poetry has been like that when something within me is too much I let it go on a page so I don't have to carry it anymore Ooh. Um, or he's a poet and he knows it <laughs> if you had to sum up what you want out of your life career wise Uh, can I paraphrase a poem I wrote? <laughs> because what other response were you Exa- expecting? Yes, exactly. I expect nothing else. Uh, actually, no. This is one that I can't paraphrase because it's one I worked on the wording okay. for quite a while. Okay. Um, also available in the Hearts Viceroy now on Amazon. Gotta plug myself. <laughs> yes, please. Please plug away. Um... I'll link it I'll link it in the uh Thanks. the episode notes. Okay. I was deeply afraid of the unforgiving memory of history to be forgotten as the sun spins round and round some galactic center that isn't me. And then when I quieted ego, dear heart quoted that hard-won sage Wisdom. Some epics are meant to be lived and then to be known no more. This is one of those. And that that's what I want. I want an epic and I don't I don't care if it's sung about. Okay. I'm not gonna try and comment on that. Okay. It's pretty beautiful. Thanks. I'm Tyrell London, and Saskia and I are friends from college. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Friend from College. Please rate and review if you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next week.